You're listening to another edition of the Full Court Press on 106.9 The Fan with Eric Franson and AJ Salveson. To get the latest content, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Don't forget the Full Court Press airs Monday through Friday on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM The Fan, and you can stream the show on 106.9thefan.com. We're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM The Fan. What's going on, everybody? It's Friday. You made it. The weekend is here. It's also Valentine's Day or Single Awareness Day or Galentine's Day. Whatever. Or just Friday. It's just Friday. But it is a Friday, and the weekend's here. So that's awesome. It's exciting. It's a busy weekend. Utah State is in action. The All-Star Game is this weekend. The final night of Region 11 boys basketball. Oh, there's the XFL this weekend. Let's not forget the XFL. It actually I, I, got off to a I've, rousing start in week one. So I, I totally forgot about it until just that moment. Okay, well, that's your fault, and that makes you a bad sports analyst. Okay, because you would remember that when a good product is coming up. Is it a good product? I didn't really <laughs> week watch one week one. Week one was really good. Week one had, what was it, the stat that you gave? I had more viewers in week one than the AAF or whatever did. More more uh, ticket sales. More ticket sales. But that's, I mean, that's even just as important. Viewership on opening weekend was similar. But there were more tickets purchased for week one of the XFL than all of the season for the yeah. AAF. It, it's a big deal, though. That's cool. Okay. For week one, it was. See if it's sustainable. Yeah, that's the question is can they keep it going? But based on the talent that is much better than the AA, what is it? The American, yeah, AAF. Uh, based on the fact that it's, you know, it's more relatable to the NFL, and there's a little bit of entertainment still squeezed in between. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the, the rules differences are are radically, not, I guess, radically different, but they're different enough. Yeah. The AAF was just this is just the NFL. There's yeah. no, this is just like the NFL, but worse athletes who can't make it in the NFL. Yeah. This is where so this the is, XFL is distinguishing itself, saying, "Yeah, we're still football." Yeah, there's 22 Tim Tebow's in the AAF playing in a game. These athletes may not be able to make the NFL an NFL roster, but we're going to try to make it interesting nonetheless. Yeah. So I applaud them for that. Uh, Aj, this is um, a, a lot to get through today here on the show. As I talked about, one of the other things that I uh, want to hit on today. The, the fallout from the non-apology oh, apology. Oh, dude, it's getting bad. Because all of baseball has been waiting to hear from the Houston Astros. Yesterday, we did, but didn't really hear from the Houston Astros. We did, but we didn't hear what we should have heard. Right, yes. And, and now other teams, other players are now reacting to that non-apology apology. Hey, why it's is, not pretty. And I was going to ask you, maybe because I haven't seen any of this, but is Cody Bellinger is trending on Twitter. Is that oh, part why? Yep. Oh, fetch. Because uh, if there's one guy who's truly pissed off right now, I'm sorry, upset, it, it's Cody Bellinger. I, I didn't. I don't know what he said. I just saw he was trending on Twitter, and then there was like... Uh, what is it? Uh, there's one that uh, revenge Bellinger. I mean, there's all sorts of like Bellinger things trending on Twitter. Here's a sample of some Cody Bellinger. We're gonna play a lot more next hour. Oh no! But uh, here's here's a sample of Cody Bellinger and why he's trending on Twitter today. <laughs> I thought the apologies were whatever. 
Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Cody Bellinger. Yes. Doing that, it right. That's, and that's how it should be. The rest yes. of the MLB should face, well, should feel the exact same way. And don't hold back. Look, they didn't hold back when they were in cheating. And, and by the way, you Astro fans who are defending this apology and defending this team, shame on you. You're just as big of a problem as the Astros themselves are. The fact that you think it's okay. And, well, I, I think- and, I, and I know that he had a 1.43, or excuse me, a 0.143 uh, war average in the playoffs, and that he's, or I guess in the World Series, that he, st- I think he led the team in strikeouts in that series as well. He struggled mightily, and that doesn't have anything to do with the other side of stealing signs. But at the same time, you guys cheated to win the World Series, man. I, I think the sense that I'm seeing from Astros fans, and I'll be honest, I'm not interacting with very many of them, but. Just to be transparent, there's one who I interact with a lot, but there, I, I think the sense that I'm seeing is frustration that, okay, look, our our team won the World Series. We recognize that they did something wrong, but they're trying to hold on to the fact that look, they still won away from Houston, and their cheating tactics weren't used away from Houston. So they're trying to say, look, we. Yes, they did something wrong when they were at home, but we, our team still won when we were on the road. So, Howie, I can't. But, can't hey, can I ask a question. When you have though? that much of a significant advantage at home, why couldn't they do the tainted. same thing on the road? They didn't have the technology they were seeing it in the uh, clubhouse, from what I understand. Oh, really? Okay, so they didn't have that equipment. Like in their visiting clubhouse, they wouldn't have that same equipment then. Is from that from what I understand? Okay. I was, I was wondering why that they couldn't, well, all, why they weren't able to. I, I could be say. wrong, but all the videos that I've seen that people are sharing, like here's an example of Houston, um, were all in, in at their home ballpark. Oh, but that's, that's just not good. Just, put, I mean, just if you're a Houston Astros fan, just put the shoe on the other foot. Yeah. If you, yeah, I have so many. If people, you were, if you ended up losing to the Dodgers. And all of a sudden, you found this out. You'd be livid. Well, here, here, you'd be incensed. When the New England when the New England Patriots cheated in two thousand seven, dude, I heard about it nonstop from everybody. When they put up fifty six points, oh, they must be cheating again using cameras. Oh, when Tom Brady had that uh, so called deflated football, oh, he must be throwing with. Like I heard all the time, including from Houston Astro fans. So don't sit there and try to play this self pity. Poor us. Everyone's against us because we did something and, and, and try to defend it because it doesn't work. Look, in 2007, did, did the Patriots cheat? Absolutely. They absolutely cheated in game one. Got caught, got punished, hardcore, stopped it. Then you have the deflated football, which, I mean, we're, we're talking about in cold weather in rain and a ball that deflates uh, 1.5 PSI. And then it turns into this whole big ordeal because that the Patriots scored... 28 points of their 45 in the second half after the ball was exchanged. And I mean, but then people just, li- I mean, just threw it on Tom and on the Patriots. So, you know what? I am. I'm going to dish it right on Houston now. If this is the way it's going to be, Houston, by the way, who did it in the championship 
in the championship, we've got a problem. Do you think hitting will go down in Major League Baseball this year? No, I don't. Because the Astros are trying to play this card like, hey, this was going on. It's going on all over the league. We just did it at a different level, and we just got caught. And if it is rampant, how many teams come out and say, hey, look, we're not doing this. We don't want to fall under the same scrutiny as the Houston Astros. Because hitting has been up. Home run hitting has been up in Major League Baseball. Yep. Will we start... Will that be blunted a little bit this year? Because all of a sudden, the pitchers will have that advantage again? Uh, it depends on where we are. I guess we'll find out how many teams cheated, huh? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. That's a really good question. And, and I'll, I'll say I don't know. But um, you got to like your chances, especially against the Astros. They're still a well-built team. Hey, well, here's the thing. But you know what? But they're going to have and, to and, face scrutiny everywhere they you go. You brought every this game. point up, I think, the day after the, the scandal was released and, and it all kind of exploded in front of everybody's faces. You brought up a really good point that, look, they are going to be punished. And whatever their punishment it is, it will be what it is. But the punishment that will really be the ones that hit them is when they go to the ballpark on the road every single day game all 82 games they're going to hear it from the fans they're going to get thrown at by the pitchers Jose Altuve will probably get beaned at least three times a, a week he's going to get it they're going to put it at him and you know what if the or they're um, going to buzz him and they may not hit him but they're going to buzz oh yeah, him they'll, they'll put one and do it he might even get some chin music they're not going to hit him in the head but they're going to put one near his dang nose and let him know hey look we know who you are and we hate you because they are. They're the most villainous baseball team in America now. Nobody, nobody, not even the great Yankees of the mid-90s who destroyed baseball year after year after year with their pure domination without cheating would suffer this villainous of a route that the Astros were going to take. And with that, I can tell you that the umpires will at least allow it once. Look, you cheat the game? It's part of your punishment, man. Stand in the box, take a 97-mile-per-hour one right to the ribs. If you say anything, you'll be warned. Walk to your base, shut your mouth, and take it like a man. This is what you get, man. You know what's happened here, and I think you bring up a good point, and I think the way to, to phrase this before we move on, I, I think that the, the Houston Astros were a, a disappointing team. It, people were disappointed with what they did. But... What happened in the non-apology apology has caused us to now despise the Houston Astros. Yeah, we're not only we're no longer just disappointed with the Astros. Now we despise the Astros, and I think it's because of at the top, it's an owner that is tone deaf, that doesn't understand the own words that are coming out of his mouth about how it didn't affect play, and then deny that he said it. They never said that. Um. It's I, I I grant there have been some players that have said, "Hey, it was a mistake. We should have spo- I should have spoke up more. I should have stopped this more. Uh, it, we shouldn't have done this." I there have been some players that have taken some ownership in this, but as an organization, it's been beyond disappointing 
to now they're going to be a despised organization. There's already there was already a cloud of suspicion over the Houston Astros with Major League Baseball <clears throat> before all of this. Uh, Manfred, it was no secret that he didn't he and their organization did not see eye to eye on some things. Um, so it, it it's it's going to be a long. 2020 baseball season for the Houston Astros yeah, as it and their be. fan base. As it should be. And then you know what? When they do score seven runs in a game They will at be home, booed in every arena. Well, even when they do score seven runs with five home runs at home, there's going to be questions. It's going to going to look at everything. Yeah. With the Is there a camera in there? Comb. How are you hitting these pitches? Pitchers might even go to the press and say, I don't know how he hit that pitch. I don't know how he knew it was coming because it, it wasn't one of my routine pitches in a normal at-bat with this guy. Why did so you touch your jersey that way? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Why did you clutch your jersey when you, after yeah. you hit the walk-off home run and told people not to tear your jersey off? I got You, you might hear a loud bang somewhere, like of a sound of a drum. Hold on. Is that a sign? I, I mean, just I'm telling you, it's coming. If you're an Astro fan, it's coming, and it's well-deserved, and I can't wait. You deserve it. You absolutely deserve it. Hey, uh, did you see the NBA uh, announced their Hall of Fame finalists? They finally announced it? Official? Yeah. Yep, it is official, official. Well, the finalists are. Okay. Oh, so this isn't who actually will go no, in. No, this These is the just the finalist. Okay. They have announced that Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, uh, who are the headliners of the class, and then along with them, Tamika Ketchings, uh, Baylor women's coach Kim Mulkey, uh, five-time Division II Coach of the Year, Barbara Stevens, four-time NCAA Coach of the Year, Eddie Sutton, and former Houston Rockets coach, Rudy Tomjanovich. Uh, all with them, uh, ESPN's Michael Wilbon and Mike Breen have been elected into the Hall of Fame as recipients of the Kurt Gowdy Media Award. And then, of course, Jim Gray and TNT's Inside the NBA show uh, will uh, also be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Interesting. How do you induct a show? Yeah, how do you induct that? What is that? Would the producer and director please come up to the stand? I mean, who is that? By the way, is, is Ahmad Rashad not in the Hall of Fame for basketball, by the way? Because if Jim Gray's in it, freaking Ahmad Rashad should be in it. He was a long time part of those broadcasts. Yeah, do the inside the NBA stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Saturday mornings, those were awesome. So, obviously, Brian's a gimme. It's, in fact, it's already been announced that he's going to be in. Tim Duncan. Oh, Absolutely. Kevin Garnett, they're, in fact, Boston Celtics will be retiring his jersey this year? Uh, yeah, I did hear that. This season? Yep. Uh, does Rudy Tomjanovich make it? Back-to-back uh, NBA titles he's with the Houston a, Rockets in 94 95. Um, it took Jordan leaving the Bulls to get there, but it happened. Yeah, well, yeah, it happened. Um, he was a longtime coach, successful coach with Houston. He coached at the Lakers for a little while. That didn't really work out. I forgot about that. But... He was a uh, certainly a former player in the NBA. Yeah, that's right. Most notably known for uh, a sucker punch. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I would imagine he'd get in. I think he gets in. I think those four get in because can you imagine the attendance in the crowd of Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett alone bringing in the uh, the attendance numbers that it will draw. I mean, it's gonna be standing room only. Well, and viewership's going to be off the charts. Off too. the charts. I, I just I feel bad for Tim Duncan. I feel bad for Kevin Me Garnett. Too. I feel Me bad too. for anybody else who will be enshrined. Who because do you... everything will be a far distant second to 
awarding a, a posthumous award to Kobe Bryant. What? And I'm, you know what? I'm totally okay with that. Well, and you I know what? Feel and to be honest with you, Tim Duncan is too. Yeah, I think Tim you're right. Duncan would be thrilled. Like, oh, great. Go there, give my speech, get out of there. I don't have to do any media with you. I, he's not, we're done. He's never been one to really put himself Kevin in Kevin Garnett of the will camera. get his. Kevin Garnett's one guy who's like, you know what? Kobe Bryant, yeah, great. I'm I'm freaking in here. I'm, I'm going to get tell mine. Some stories. So here's my question for you the greater class Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, or 2009's class of John Stockton, David Robinson, Michael Jordan? John Stockton, David Robinson, Michael Jordan. Really? Oh, yeah. Now, Mike, and so here's the thing is remember when Michael Jordan got inducted and then John Stockton became the announcement after? Everyone said, oh, John's going to be thrilled, man. He doesn't have to talk at all. No one's going to care because it's Michael Jordan, man. He's in. It's David Robinson, the Admiral. John Stockton went up there and gave a freaking 20-minute speech. It was great. Oh, it was great. It was really good. But it was 20 minutes. You're like, holy, and Jerry Sloan? who hates the attention, was thrilled more than anybody else that Michael Jordan's getting put in the same time. He gave him like a 22-minute speech, like an autobiography of his life. Up until the day he was very setting up on that stand. Like he gave from the day he was born. Do you remember? He had like a five-sheet paper and just read it word for word. It was incredible. And the crazy thing is, is I remember after, uh, the media was talking to Greg Popovich and someone, and I don't know who, had mentioned a little bit how like, they kind of were falling asleep to Jerry Sloan's speech, and there's a little bit of chuckle around the media. Greg, I swear to life, I remember this clear as mud. Uh, Greg Popovich stares down the media and says, well, then you, well, then, uh, uh, how do you say it? You guys don't give a rat's ass about the history of basketball, about the greatness of this game either, if you feel that way. That's what he said on the media, just lit them all up for criticizing Jerry Sloan of his speech. It was one of the coolest things ever. Greg will criticize anybody. But to him to recognize who Jerry Sloan was and what he had done, I thought that was pretty cool. Now that the, the difference between those two classes is that this one going in this year, they'd have a lot more rings. Yeah. So it's a really it's a good debate. Uh, but that, that other class set n- new standards and new records, some that still have not yet been beat. In touch, yeah. Good point. All right, uh, coming up next year in the Full Court Press, uh, Ajay's going to have to sneak out a little bit early today. Two Fridays in a row, I'm leaving early. Well, so we're going to do something we didn't get a chance to do last week because we had way too much fun talking to former players Oh, and that coaches. was cool. So we're going to talk about our Friday Five Best, the five best guards ever to play for Utah State. We'll also get into our pick six, the six things we think might happen this weekend. We didn't have a chance to do that yesterday because we got cut short with some college basketball. But uh, we'll discuss that next, coming up on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, how's Chocolate Man doing? He's resting right now. Is he? Mm-hmm. He's getting ready for a big night. <laughs> We're excited for him. <laughs> Ken the Chocolate Doll. Is that what you've named him? No, no, no. I, We're not going to disrespect Ken Doll like that. He deserves better. <laughs> All right, Aja, you don't have a lot of time. No. Uh, before you have to sneak away. 
big Valentine's plans or something? Yeah, yeah, huge. <laughs> All right, so on Friday, we do our Friday Five Best. Yes. We didn't get a chance to get to this last week. But no. In light of a significant mark that happened earlier this week, it's appropriate that we do it this week. Amen. Utah State's five best guards of all time. All right, you want to start? Yeah, sure, I'll start. By the way, I didn't know Wayne Estes was uh, considered a big man for the longest time. I always thought he was a guard. Yeah, he's forward. <laughs> it's awesome. That's just awesome what he did in his in his. Uh, and in, he did it in three seasons. Yeah. Because back then, freshman didn't can play. play. Imagine if, if, God, if he would have been able to, if his life would have been allowed to last longer. He set some major. He was going to go to the Lakers. Yeah, as a top five pick. By the way, that was no joke. How much would that have changed the whole trajectory of Utah State basketball? Yeah, an Aggie player playing for the Lakers, and they consider him to be be one of the best that would ever been on that court too. One of the best. Obviously, they didn't know what the future was going to hold, but yeah. All right, uh, my my fifth uh, of the uh, five best Aggie guards is going to go to Bernard Rock. You know, when I watch Bernard Rock play, uh, he had an ability to get to the hoop, and his ability to drive, like, just at Mach 9, head on fire. He didn't have any hair, so it was head. Uh, was incredible. He was athletic. He was really athletic uh, and has some success, actually, as uh, as the guard of the Aggies, and so... Bernard Rock is my number five. My number five is Reed Newey, played for Utah State in the mid to late 80s. Uh, it still is uh, it holds um, a lot of categories, statistical categories, where he's in the top 10. He's sixth in steals, fourth in three-point field goals made, fifth in three-point field goals attempted, but he's also pretty high in assists and scoring overall. So uh, I've got Reed Newey. I thought he was... Uh, I really don't have too many memories of him playing, but I do remember him being a significant part of the Aggies in those late 80s. Some of our uh, longer time, longer tenured Aggie fans certainly remember his name and think highly of him. He's my number five. Good, good. Number four for me is going to be Roddy Anderson. Uh, Roddy, you know, Marcus Saxon has earned a lot of respect in his time as a guard uh, when he played at Utah State. For him to call out Roddy and say he's a beast is is saying something. When I looked at Roddy Anderson, uh, based on numbers, he wasn't the highest scorer on the team. But he led the team in steals. He led the team in one season in uh, defensive rebounds. And he actually led the team in assist, uh, I think, his senior year. Not once did he lead the team in scoring, though. Everything else was done in secondary numbers. Uh, but, again, he was part of a, a successful basketball team. Played against Illinois State in the NIT tournament. Um, and again, it was his, def- his defensive ability that made him really special. Always impressive when a guard leads a team in defensive rebounds. Uh, my number four is Kendall Youngblood. It went from Reed Newey to Kendall Youngblood as guards for Utah State, who had significant impacts when you look at the timeline. But uh, Kendall Youngblood, tremendous player there in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, he's a, He is... Um, he's in the top 10 in 10 different statistical categories for Utah State. Uh, among the highest, there's he's fourth overall in steals, fifth in assists. Uh, just one of those guys that really helped his teammates around him uh, and a defensive hawk uh, against other guards. So Kendall Youngblood, he's number four on my list. 
That would be a good choice. Actually, number three for me is Kendall Youngblood. Uh, the the records that he held as a uh, member of the Utah State Aggies, and I think, does he still hold a couple? Is that right? Because I know Sam's kind of got above him on a few of them now. So I think Sam might have, what, three? I think he's passed him on three different categories, and I can't remember what they are. Uh, but yeah, no, Kenny Youngblood's my number three from uh, 88 to 92. Uh, he... Started what one season? I guess four seasons. He started four seasons. I didn't notice this. Uh, 27 games in the first season. He started the rest of them the rest of the way. Uh, but he averaged what shooting 41% from the field. He shot 41% from deep. Good heck, that's amazing. And shot 75% at the free throw line. Uh, it was it was more of his clutch gene back in the Big West. That's really why he puts me at my number three. It was a clutch gene in the big-time games, especially in the tournament. My number three is Tony Brown. Local product, helped Utah State climb a mountain that uh, not too many others have been able to climb since, and that was getting Utah State their first NCAA win in a long time and forever. No one's been able to do it since then. But Tony Brown, besides just that alone, he was a great outside shooter, still one of the highest in Utah State uh, history. He's second in three-point field goals attempted, second in free throw percentage, third in three-point field goals made. Uh, Ajay, he is, he holds, uh, he's a, well, he's in the top 10 in nine different statistical categories for Utah State. He was a tremendous player, had a great nose for the big moment, um, and it was, wasn't afraid to take the big shot. Yeah, yeah that... Uh... And the best part, Eric, he's a local product. Yep. That was the coolest thing about it all, man. That kid came from Mountain Crest High School. Made it real easy for John folks Nielsen. to cheer for him. Oh, man. Yes. Made it awesome. My number two, Tony Brown. Uh, Tony, for me, is look, he did something that none of these other Aggie guards have been able to do. Win an NCAA tournament game. And that, and that game against Ohio State, he was phenomenal. I'm not just talking about the three-point shot. Or not three-point, the, the floater that he had in the key where he, I mean, as, as Coach Morrill said on our interview, he pumped fake ten times like a Rex City guy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, he was he was really big in that season. In a couple of games, I believe, with uh, in the Big West, I can't remember, I think it was UC Santa Barbara and one more, where they were down late, and he went on a scoring spree by himself, by himself, Eric, and took over those games. Tony Brown was a pure shooter, great athlete, and was a, and, uh, was a I guess, a better defender during the latter parts of his career. But when he became a good defender, he was, he was the best all-around player the Aggies had seen in quite some time. My number two? So now we're getting into the real strong debate territory. Yes, here. we are. My number two is Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill, and this I labored over this one, but Sam is number two for me. Uh, he's the top 10 guard in 15 different statistical categories, points, assists, steals, three-point field goals made, attempted, free throw percentage. He's number one in free throw percentage right now. Uh, games played, minutes played. Uh, the, the guy is a baller. Uh, he's an all-around player. Um, he uh, not only is he clutch, is he a great shooter, but he plays defense, um, and uh, he he really helps the team in so many different ways. 
in continuing this season, he either scores or assists on almost 50% of all points uh, for Utah State. Um, Sam Merrill, an incredible player. I hope everybody's enjoying watching greatness in front of him as it continues to play out in an Aggie uniform. He's my number two. My number one is Sam Merrill. Uh J.C. Carroll was a good basket. It was a great basketball player. Excuse me. Great. J.C. couldn't play defense. Sam Merrill can play defense better on both sides of the court than any of the guards that we have spoken about today. Sam Merrill, look, doesn't isn't a high volume shooter like J.C. Carroll was. Sam realized that it created other opportunities for other guys, and that's what his goal was. Sometimes he's a little bit too unselfish. Uh, you know, and it's it's interesting. The more teams make adjustments to Sam Merrill, the better he gets. The absolute better he gets, the more they make. They try all sorts of things. I think they've thrown. I think I don't know if there's a defense that Sam hasn't seen locked onto him, and he continues to score at a high volume. He's not going to catch J.C. Carroll. He's probably going to catch Greg Grant. And he's going to end up in second. But in just on the court, physical specimen. Uh, and he, by the way, Sam Merrill's played a tougher schedule than J.C. Carroll by a long ways. And he's still at this 2,000-point mark. And Sam didn't play as near as many games as J.C. has. And he's still up there. I'll take Sam over J.C. Carroll in a one-on-one game and I put my life on I think... Sam is an absolute number one in my book. Well, my number one is J.C. Carroll, and I'm shocked, shocked you don't even have J.C. Carroll in your top five. Nope. You are on drugs, uh, Jay Salveson. J.C. Carroll is in the top ten in 16 different statistical categories. He's number one in field goals made, field goals attempted, three-point field goals made, three-point field goals attempted, uh, ten-point-plus games Games started, total minutes played, points. This guy was a gamer. He could come up with points at the most clutch time when you needed them. Could consistently, he, though? Consistently led the team. Uh, it was a lights-out shooter from beyond the arc. But uh, J.C. Carroll go ahead. Uh, was phenomenal for Utah State. Uh, had a great career, 2004-2005 season through this 07-08 season. Um, just, it was a joy to watch him every game. Uh, he didn't need much space to get off a shot. Uh, this was a guy that you could always rely on when the game got tight. And if he wasn't having a, a bad night, he shot his, his way out of it and still produced for Utah State. Here's the thing with J.C. Carroll. Again, you're right. Okay, the, the numbers speak for itself how great he is. But he didn't have anybody else that could, was a high volume shooter and a great scorer like him. He had good scores around him. He had no, good players n- on that team. N- no, okay, which year? Which year? Just about any of the years that he was there. <clears throat> um. Okay, so in oh five oh six, he had Nate Harris, good player, great player, and then the rest of it is. Casmathias, Chas Spicer, David Pack, who actually was a decent player, Darrell Peterson, Chris Session, Chris Huber, Nate Bendall, Nick Hammer, Everett Morgan. No, don't. Don't. Cass w- don't. came in big with a lot of different games. 
Oh, you're good. Uh, and then, and then but the that just year, speaks to more I, of his greatness. Steven Ducharme. You mock the rest of Chris that roster, Clark, and that just speaks more volumes. Harrison? That just speaks more volumes to how good J.C. Carroll was. Michael Earl? Yeah, you're just Michael, making my point. Michael Earl. No, it's because nobody else could score like him. Nobody else could score. Which made it that much more important for what he did. No, no, because he was the only one who would shoot because no one else could shoot. He was the highest volume shooter on the team. Thank you, Adam. No, put your damn hands Adam, down. Adam, the intern, knows knowledge. Adam, the intern, needs to sit down and be quiet. He understands no, what's right. Listen, J.C. Carroll took the majority of, like, look, he, he scored a lot of points because he took a lot of shots. Whoopity-daw. All right? That, that uh, 07-08 team was, was, was a little bit better. Gary Wilkinson, Ty Wesley. But, I mean, look at the success. That Sam Merrill's had versus better competition than J.C. Carroll. Thank you, 5338. Ajay obviously has not seen enough Utah State basketball. 5338. Thanks for texting in, first of all. Greatly appreciate it. Um, good, day, uh, good to hear from you. Here's my problem, though. I've seen a ton of NCAA, or excuse me, Utah State basketball. Enough in my career to know that J.C. Carroll is not the number one player. At least out of guards. Out of guards, he's not there. Look, I, I, as I said, I debated this one a lot. I went back and forth and back and forth with Sam and JC. I, it's, you make a great point that Sam has done this against much tougher competition. In less games and in less minutes. Than what JC had to go through. But... Uh, did, okay. And by the way... Sam, Sam has the potential to score 30 points a night. Sure, we saw that the other day. But JC could do that without breaking a sweat. What are you talking? I mean, he oh, what? <laughs> just JC was just a better, a pure shooter. He was a gamer. Both of them are gamers. This is an impossible discussion. Okay, I'm sorry. That, such, no, no, both no, no, of them no. are great players. Yeah, okay, but true. But in the end, I just give a little more of a lean to JC because partially for what you've just said, he didn't have as many great weapons around him. He had great players with him. You're you're undervaluing a lot of the players that were played alongside Jason. Yeah, Carroll. Walker Earl, whatever his name is. I bet he was really good on Scout Squad. Look, I am just saying, with all due okay, respect... Are we going to say the same thing about Trevin Dorius? That played alongside Sam Merrill? Sam Merrill was so great because Trevin Dorius was on the... Or Roche Group Fam was on the bench? Does that make Sam Merrill better? Because he never saw the court. Sam Merrill no, has again, nothing. To, again, they are not. And, and the fact that like have you nothing say to do with each sweat, other. It's because people didn't tag JC like they tagged Sam. Defenses never went after JC like they did Sam. Sam was oh, a bigger yes, threat. They did. No, they did. No, Absolutely, they, didn't. they did. Dude, they did not. They knew if they and could eliminate the way, JC. That meant that JC Carr was sitting on top of the key shooting threes. They, he didn't have the guts to go to the They never left J.C. alone. No, Sam was a better all-around scorer because Sam could go to the hoop and finish. They were constantly... J.C. would sit on the three-point line and take threes. No, he didn't. Yes, he, he did. He was running all yes, over did. the court, running through screens. No, he wasn't. J.C. was never you, running You like and I Sam. were not watching the same Aggie basketball, apparently, AJ. No, J.C. did J. not JC worked for everything screens. that he got. Teams knew he was no, a pure scorer. No, they he, would throw everything they, they could at him. Sam through death row just to touch the ball. They they're all, doing the I'm not saying that Sam and JC are not have not had to both work for what they've had. Oh no, I yeah, I'm I agree not with diminishing that. Yeah, what Sam's sure. going through now, but you're neglecting what JC had to go through to get his points. JC would stand on top of the three-point line, catch the ball and take a three. Sam would have to go through a screen, get bumped, go through another screen, get pushed, 
get probably bitten probably at times, catch the ball, go to the hoop, draw a foul, and sometimes finish. You, they're Jason interchangeable. Jason on top of the three and just catch it and shoot it. Interchangeable. They both did that. I never saw JC have to work hard to get to the ball. We got to go find some old film. I would love to see it. Hey, by the way, there's a place called, I know someone who has a ton of film from that, from those years. And I'd love to, I'll have to grab it. I'll have to ask him if I can borrow a couple copies. We'll sit down with Reggie. We'll have a popcorn and we'll watch this dang thing. (laughs) All right. Figure it out. We want you to weigh in. Who would you put in your top five Aggie guards? And, and I've seen enough. And really, five, the, three, the debate eight. really is about number one and number two. Yeah, really. I mean, the others are nice. I think we can. You and I had different orders on some of these players. We had some crossover, but really, it is who's number one and who's number two. Yeah, J.C. Carroll or Sam Merrill. And by the way, and you what, can make great cases for for both. both. Where okay overall, where do you put J.C. and Sam overall in Aggie basketball lore? Who's number one, or who's number two, or where did Sam in the top five? Where do they stand? That's hard because Sam's career is not over yet, so there could be work to be done that could sure. put him to another level. Um, boy, that's a really good question. Because it's Wayne. Uh, look, because JC have- went up against some really tough teams and some bad draws in the NCAA tournament. Still got to beat them. Still got to win a ball game. It's still five players on the court. Five. You got you and four other guys. So it's, it's the same rules. Got to figure it out. Where? But here's here's the crazy part, and this is, and I mean this with absolute reverence and absolute respect. I swear I do. Wayne Estes is not number one on my list. And the player that means the most for Utah State basketball? Uh, no, sorry. And in, in regards of greatest ever, greatest ever. In Aggie basketball. In Aggie basketball. Wayne Estes would not be number one. Was for an extremely long time. Not anymore. Sam would be that guy? You think S- Sam replaces him? Yeah. I do. I think Sam, I think JC. Greg and Grant would have been in that discussion. And by the way, Ty Wesley would probably have to be in Spencer that discussion Nelson. somewhere. Spencer Nilton would have to be in that discussion somewhere. That would be that'd be a whole different animal to have to chew up, man. That would be tough. Let's maybe avoid that one. This has been a fun discussion. By the way, five three three eight says replace AJ with Adam the intern. You know what? Five three three eight. Quit texting. Our line's not working right now. We've uh, we've had technical difficulties. Uh, speaking of Adam the intern, we got to shift gears because you got to get out the door to your. Did he say replace me with Adam? The- oh, fetch that! You think he wants some BYU homer? He <laughs> thinks that freaking Jimmer for Dead's better than Wayne Estes. You've got you got some. Entertaining to do. He thinks that Yoli Childs is better than J.C. Carroll. He thinks that Cosmo the mascot's better than. All right, it's pick six Carroll. We got to do pick six. We didn't get a chance to do it yesterday because we had a really important college basketball game to play instead. So that that game went to overtime, man. Yeah, it was a good game. It was was definitely worth listening to. Uh, Adam, the intern. Hi guys. He helps us out with uh, our pick six for the week. Hey, who's better? Tyler Hawes. Oh, no, no. Who would you take? Be unbiased. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Jimmer Fredette or the prodigal golden boy, J.C. Carroll? Uh, Jimmer. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I'd take Cosmo over Jimmer too. Case of wonder. 
The guy can dunk it from the three-point line. Oh, dude, crazy. that was awesome. <laughs> oh, the three-point dunk. Oh, dude, that was, gosh, amazing. that was amazing. I'll give them credit for that. You should. That was amazing. You oh, my God. Right. Matter, Sorry. Oh, it's a good time to be a what fan. fan. What school you cheer for, that was pretty yeah. impressive. That was, um, that was awesome. Okay. Do you want to start with the pick six? Let's see yes. Going on that? We do All right. Yep. So, let's start with Sam Merrill assists. The line is set at six and a half over under. AJ, let's have you go first. This is where we need music. Uh, Samuel was a six and a half assist. Yep. Over under. I'm going to go under. All righty. I, too, am going to go under. Okay. It'll be close. Yeah, I think it'll be close. Okay, moving along. We got Donovan Mitchell points in the All-Star game. The line is set at eight and a half. Over, under. Over. Under. Okay. And then the combined score for the NBA All-Star game, the line is set at 312 and a half points. That's the combined score for the game. Over, under. Under. Over. All righty. Then we have, will Vince Carter be used somehow in the dunk contest? Yes or no? No. Wait, 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 wait. Participating? Or just be in it. Will Vince Carter be used somehow in the dunk contest? Yes. I also am going to say yes. Okay. 20 years since his incredible performance. All righty. Then we have Diogo Burrito points at Fresno State. The line is set at nine and a half. Over, under. Over. I like this. I like this one. This is a lot better than the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire theme song or whatever. That thing's but sweet. I don't like that. It's just kind of repetitive and dark. Weird. I like oh, yeah. You see, you see the light there, huh? BYU people. <laughs> Let's get back. What it's was the Diogo Brito line? Uh, it, was, it was a nine and a half at Fresno State. Points scored? Yep, points. I'm going to take the over. Okay. Too dark? The heck? It just, it just doesn't sound fun. This is fun. All right, moving along, we got points of the three-point contest winner. So how many points? That's a good one. Yeah, the line is set at 26 and a half. Oh, that's a good over line. Under. That's a good line. 26 and a half? What are you taking? Over. Over. No, you just can't copy. Just because- I'm not. I'm you're not, just going to say whatever I, I said. No matter what came out of my for- mouth, no, I was you were going to say the same thing. In your opinion. I wanted to see what you were It's strategy. I, I had my answer already. I just wanted to see which way you were going to go. Okay, here's a follow-up question. Do you think someone will dunk it in the three-point contest? Like no. Cosmo? No, you don't think so? No. Oh, dang. All right, moving on. Sorry. BYU Homer coming out. We got... This is the tiebreaker for if it's needed. All-star game score. I want the closest score. So Team LeBron, Team Giannis. I want the score. Like versus each other? I, yep. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say... Yeah, I say 165 to 150 Team LeBron. That puts me at 320 points, I believe. Yeah, give or take. I'm going to say Team LeBron will be 158 and Team Giannis will be 155. Sweet. There's a new format this year with how they're doing scoring. So yeah, that's right. I think it'll change things a little bit. Right. Hope so. Hope more people watch. D- defense may be a little more of a factor. 
<laughs> no. Yeah, it's not no. happening. Nice try, Rudy. Way to sneak in, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. I just hope it. I just hope it's good. I really do. Dude, I just hope Rudy makes a three pointer. You're all crazy, that dude. Dude, he's gonna get one. Oh he's gonna, yeah. That's what. That oh, should be yeah. an over under. How many threes does Rudy make? <laughs> oh or man. Or yeah, or even attempts. You saw the yeah, Steven Adams where he one. just hucks it out. Oh point dude, just one added. Court? Oh yeah. Oh, incredible. Oh yeah. This opens up and, a and whole then, like, new game. And Steven's like the most like subdued guy, and then he's like doing the shimmy or whatever. Oh my gosh, this opens up a whole new game. I hated Oklahoma City back in the day, but I love Steven Adams. Just shuts up and plays. Just shuts up and plays. And like the time when like who is it? Crowder I think broke his nose. Yeah. And he didn't even flinch. Yeah. Like didn't even grab his nose. He's the nicest tough guy in the NBA. Oh yeah. Heaven sent. I used to get him and that guy who had uh, diabetes from Gonzaga. What was his Kelly name? Kelly Olynyk. No. No. Uh, uh Adams. He's from what was his name? He had diabetes. Uh. And he didn't last long in the NBA either. Oh, I know who you're talking about. He had the long hair, sort of. He looked just like Steven Adams, though. I used to get him and, and him and Steven confused all the time. All right, let's run through those real fast again, Adam. All righty, so we have Sam Merrill assist. Uh, the line is set at 6.5. Both of you guys took the under. Next, we have Donovan Donovan Mitchell points at the All-Star game. The line is set at 8.5. AJ took the over. Eric took the under. And then we got the combined score of the NBA All-Star game. The line was set at 312.5 points. AJ took the over, Eric took the under. Then we have, will Vince Carter be used somehow in the dunk contest? Yes or no? And uh, both of you guys took yes. And then we have Diego Burrito points at Fresno State. The line is set at 9.5. Both of you guys took the over. And then points of the three-point contest winner. The line was set at 26.5. And, and both of you guys took the over. And then for the tiebreaker, for if it's needed, we have... Um, AJ saying the score will be to the All-Star game. The score will be 165 to 150 with Team LeBron coming out on top. And then Eric said 158 to 155 with Team LeBron winning as well. I just realized that adds up to more than your 312. Yeah, that's why I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. I was like, by okay, one. That works. By one. That works. But it's I am not going to ask Adam the intern to change it since I already said it. Thanks, Eric. Because I said it. Because you stand believe by it, it. Even you have though faith in that answer. I realize it for was you. wrong. I you had faith in the answer. I'm not going to pull you. a Houston Astros. All right, we're going to have to say goodbye to AJ. You got to take off and do some uh, fun things for the night. I'll see you later tonight. <laughs> no, you won't. And uh, we'll catch up on Monday. But uh, Region 11, there's a lot of interesting games tonight. All good stuff. We got the All-Star break this weekend. We'll run through what's going on and uh, maybe some things to watch for because, as I said, there are some tweaks. There are some differences this weekend in not just the All-Star game itself, but there's also a tweak to the three-point shootout. So we'll run through that. And then the fallout continues with the Houston Astros' non-apology apology and uh, some players throughout the league with some strong words to say about it. We'll update you on all that ahead here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson with you on the Full Court Press. Man, that was <laughs> that was probably one of the most hotly debated 
Friday five bests we've had in a long time. We've had a few where we've gotten into it. A lot that we agree with each other on. But um, that is a tough discussion. The best guard in Utah State history. It's hard to argue against either one of them, frankly. Uh, in the end, I think it's J.C. Carroll. Ajay thinks it's Sam Merrill. Love to get your thoughts. Who do you think? Who would be on your top five, on your Friday five best? Who are the five best guards in Utah State history? Text in and let us know, 435-339-0321. That's 435-339-0321. Who are your five best guards in Utah State history? Uh, coming up uh, next hour, we'll get into how one of those guards needs to have a big game Saturday. Utah State's on the road at Fresno State. It was an overtime game against the Bulldogs earlier in the year, but really this is a very different team now than it was then. That was uh, Namiash Keda's first game back from injury, so I think he'll play certainly uh, an important role, a different role uh, in the game on Saturday than he did uh, earlier in the year. But uh, we'll still look take a look at that, who's on that Fresno State Bulldog team to watch out for. We'll hear from Craig Smith. He held his press conference earlier today to preview that matchup. We'll look at some of the changes in this weekend's All-Star Game festivities. Three-point shootout has a tweak. It's a little bit different. Uh, the All-Star Game has something different. Is it make it interesting enough to, uh, to tune into, and will it be long-term success, or are they just gimmicks that uh, are fly by night and won't really stick? Uh, and then we'll also look at the fallout that continues as, uh, as players throughout Major League Baseball react to the non-apology apology from the Houston Astros. Uh, some pretty pretty strong words coming from a lot of different players. And uh, how different will that make their season this year? Still a talented roster, and they're still projected by many to be a successful team and be in the hunt for a World Series. But will it really happen in all reality with all the heat that will be coming after them this season? We'll discuss more next hour here on the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Houston Astros apology tour got off to a bumpy start in Florida yesterday. In fact, they may have made things worse. Owner Jim Crane contradicted himself all over the place. The team put Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman on the podium for 90 seconds. The players in the clubhouse were a lot better, but there's no easy way out. The Astros were caught in a big way. Their best strategy would have been to just admit it and move on. The players that tried that sounded good. The general rule in sports is that the cover-up is often worse than the crime. The team's indirect responses cause even more doubt. There's a lot of speculation that they did even more than we know, including wearing buzzers. Major League Baseball said it doesn't have any evidence of that, but nothing the team said yesterday really helps us trust them. The Astros hoped this was the beginning of the end of this scandal. But after yesterday, it's pretty clear the drama's far from over. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.